Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon or Sidon or whatever you want to say. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word. Jesus ignored her. I love it when Jesus is just straight out rude. Hey, come on. How many of us, we read scriptures about Jesus being sweet and nice. I love it when he's just straight up bad and mean. Just, I don't know. It just feels good to just know that I serve God. Every now and then he can give some attitude if he wants to. He ignores her. He's like, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to explain it in a second. Don't leave. <laughs> He's demon possessed and said, my daughter severely demons, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us because you ignored her. Now she's coming after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's, that's code for I don't have time for you. Again, Jesus just continuing with this attitude that he's deciding that he wants to have in this moment. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Come on, Jesus, drop it on her. (laughs) Calls her a dog. Okay. And she said, yes, Lord. Look at this chick. Yes, lady. (laughs) I'm about to split the church in half in this sermon. Normally I have my wife on the front row to just give me a nod or shake her head if I say something I shouldn't, but she's sick. So you're just stuck with me tonight, church. I'm sorry. Look at her response. She said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, look at this switch all of a sudden. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This is cool. This is a good story. I don't think there's a story in the Bible that's not a good story. This lady comes up to Jesus. She's a Gentile. She's a Canaanite woman. And we don't understand, we don't have really a context for that. But you have to understand the Jewish people, it was actually, there was such separation between the Jewish people and the Gentiles, the Canaanite women. Jewish people were God's chosen people. They were the ones that they were, they were rolling close with Jesus. They were the ones that were, saw themselves as, as worthy, but not the Gentiles. In fact, that's why Jesus calls her a dog. The Jews actually called the Gentiles dogs. And Jesus is there in this moment, surrounded by all of 
these prior to this, he'd been ministering to Jewish people. But then along comes this Gentile woman. This woman who has, she's not a Jewish woman, she's a Gentile woman. She's a, she's a Canaanite woman, but she recognises that what she's going through, Jesus is the answer. She recognises that even though my background and my past perhaps isn't what it should be, I'm not one of the chosen people, I'm a Canaanite woman, even though that's going on in my background, I recognise that I got an issue, I got a problem that I'm working through that only you can solve. As she comes to Jesus and the Bible says that she calls out to Jesus, when she asked Jesus, she says, have mercy on me. But God, Jesus, as we just read, Jesus ignores her. Now you could handle it if he like just shut you down or cussed you out or something. But when he says nothing, if that was you or me, bro, we would be ready to bounce off the back of that. We'd be like, Jesus, are you serious? You're going to say nothing to me? No, not this woman. This woman keeps going. She moves from Jesus. Now she starts calling out, calling on his disciples. She frustrates his disciples. His disciples go to Jesus and say, bro, can you make this chick leave? Then Jesus insults her. One says, I don't have time for you. Then she continues again. I wonder what our response would be like in the face of this type of this type of opposition. How quick are we to bounce on God to leave church when we don't like what's going on, to leave one church and go to the next church because we didn't like that and we don't like what the preacher was wearing that day and we didn't like what they sung that day? How quick are we to get discouraged when God didn't move when we thought He was supposed to move or it didn't happen on our schedule or He still hasn't moved in my situation. So yeah, I'll keep going to church. But inside I'm bitter and I'm hurting and I've separated my heart from God because He didn't move how I wanted Him to move. Not this chick. This She just keeps going to the point where God, Jesus actually gets to this point where He actually insults her after saying, I'm not here for you. He calls her a dog. But then that last insult, that last bit of opposition, this woman still refuses to give up on her miracle. This woman off the back of an insult like that, where you and I, we would be checking out. This woman fronts up to Jesus again and says, yeah, I might be a dog, but even a dog gets a crumb. And then I love it. It's a switch. Bang. All of a sudden. Jesus turns. Can you picture it? He's been ignoring her. He's been saying nothing. He's been insulting her. Then all of a sudden, this woman shows some type of faith that causes Jesus to turn 
and look at her and says something that he doesn't often say in Scripture, if but two or three times in Scripture, he says this, Oh, you woman of great faith. Great faith. I want to tell you, church, God is not looking for the most anointed Christian. He's not looking for the one that can sing the loudest. He's not looking for the most gifted. He's not looking for the most talented. He's not looking for the one that has the most connections. He's not looking for the one with the most powerful family, the one who even knows the most Scriptures. He's not looking for the one with the biggest Bible. He's not even looking for the one with the greatest passion. What He's looking for is somebody with great faith. He's constantly, if you look through Scripture, you will see, you will see example after example where God says it was your faith. That healed you. Mary Magdalene, he said, your faith has saved you. The paralytic lowered through the roof. He said, when he saw their faith, not their passion, not their hunger, while all of those things were great, there's something about just raw, unadulterated, authentic faith that unlocks a miracle from heaven. The woman with the issue of blood, daughter, your faith has made you well. Blind Bartimaeus, go your way. Your faith has healed you. If a miracle, listen to me, I wrote this down. If a miracle is a light bulb, his power is the electricity and your faith is the switch. If a miracle, if what you're believing for is a light bulb, his power is the electricity. He has already supplied it. He has already done it. He's already achieved it. It's waiting there at the source. If you talk to any electrician, they'll be able to tell you once the power is connected up to the house, all you need is just a switch. All you need, you got to understand church, all we need to have is just a little bit of faith. And I believe God will work miracles in and through our life if we would just but believe. We have to have Christians that know what it is to believe. Christians that know what it is to stand on a Word of God. Christians who believe the Word of God. I think we get to this stage sometimes in church where we get so good at doing church and we're making it nice and we're making it pretty and we're getting better at communicating. But it seems to be the cooler we make church, sometimes the further we get away from the raw or authentic Word of God that says He works miracles and His Word is true. People say, Ben, do you mean to tell me you believe the Word of God? You take it literally every single thing? Yes. Do you believe to tell me that you believe that David actually ran out onto a field with just a sling and a rock and killed a giant? Yes, I believe it. Do you believe that Jonah was actually swallowed by a fish, was in there three days and God spat him out on a beach? Yes, I believe it. Do you believe that three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were actually put in a fire and God sent an angel that stood with them and they came out not even smelling of smoke. 
Yes, I believe it. Do you mean to tell me, Ben, you believe that Daniel actually got put into a lion's den and the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came and shut the mouth of those lions? Yes, I believe it. Do you mean to tell me, Ben, that you believe that when Jesus actually walked on this earth, that real paralytic people that couldn't see, that couldn't walk, when under the touch and the power of God would get healed? Yes, I believe it. Do you mean to tell me, Ben, that when Peter would walk down the road, his shadow would heal people, just his shadow? Yes, I want to tell you, I believe it. I believe every single word that's in the Word of God. And I think it's time for the church to rise up and say, we believe in miracles. Give God praise if you believe. Give God some praise if you've got a miracle and you know that it cannot turn around if it's not for the power of the living God who is able to do miracles in your life. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And I'm not here my heart. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to hype you as I was reading through this. It suddenly just hit me. Sometimes we try and come up with all these pretty sermons that link to this point and link to that point. You know what we need? We just need some faith. I believe it. Do I believe someone can come with category four, stage four cancer and by the power of God, God can hit that body and they can get up and walk out completely healed? I believe it. I believe He can. Can He give you a job? Yes. Can He move in your finances? Yes. I believe it. I just believe it. People say, but what about this? Yes, I have questions. Yes, I have questions. But you know what? I just believe. I had a conversation with someone not long ago and they had some very valid points. They had some valid points of things that didn't make sense. Things that didn't add up. And they said, yeah, but what about this? What about that? And I said, you know what? That's a great question. But I just believe. I can't explain it to you, man. I've got something in my heart. I've got a revelation in my heart that my God is good. My God is faithful and He works miracles. I just believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in His healing, miracle working power. I believe in His ability to save and set people free. I believe it. He's the answer. He's the answer. In uncertain times, in shaky times, where we don't know what's going to happen one week to the next, I want to tell you, Jesus is the answer. For every political issue, Jesus is the answer. For broken people, Jesus is the answer. We need some Christians that actually believe that. Do you believe That Jesus is the answer. Do you believe that Jesus? I had. I was talking to my my sister. The uh, this was a while back. She told me this funny story. She was sitting down. She was teaching my niece maths at the dinner table. They're sitting down teaching at the dinner table, and 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 uh, and she's trying to teach my little niece maths, and she couldn't. She was, you know, she couldn't get it right, and and they're getting frustrated. And and my, my sister's husband walks in. And he walks in and he, my sister's name's Rebecca. He walks in and says to Beck, my sister, he says, what are you, what are you doing this with her? Why? She knows maths. She looks at, 
Aaron, my, my, her husband Aaron, she says, Aaron, she doesn't know basic maths. And Aaron says, yes, she does. And Aaron looks at my niece and says, Alicia, her name's Alicia. Says, Alicia, what's two plus two? Alicia looks at him and says, Jesus. <laughs> she didn't know the answer, but she just figured if I say Jesus, that's got to be some close to right. Come on, I want to tell you, church, we need some Christians that maybe when we don't know the answer, we just say, I don't know, but Jesus, I don't know. I can't put it all together. It doesn't all make sense to me either, but Jesus. Just faith. I feel the Holy Ghost. He wants people that will just believe. It's so basic. It's so simple. Do you believe? Jesus. All he talked about more than anything else is faith. When something didn't happen, he'd look at the disciples and say, where's your faith? He didn't say to them on the boat, listen, man, why did you have more passion? Hear my heart, that is awesome. He didn't say, why didn't you come to church more? That's awesome. He didn't say, he said, just if you would just believe. It's like God says, you know what? I'll overlook all the other if you just believe. I'll do a miracle if you just believe. We got it. That's why the Word of God is so important. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He desperately, desperately wants to outwork His miracle working power in and through your life if you would just believe. He has already done it. Don't get thinking down this message of faith that your faith earns the miracle. It does not. That's a works mindset. The miracle is already done. Your faith unlocks what God has already done. He's done it. He's done it. We just got to believe. I wrote down a couple of quick points that I want to give you. For keys to having faith. This, this woman, this, the, the Bible says that this woman came, she came to Jesus. Perhaps it didn't happen the way she thought it was going to happen. I don't know. I don't know the background. I don't know what she knew of Jesus. The fact that she came to him for a miracle knew that she heard he had done miracles before. But look at this. Jesus' first response to ignore her, she's unaffected by it. She's, she does not seem rattled at all. You got to come. Firstly, you want that miracle. You got to come with a purpose. She came with a purpose to get her miracle. She came, she made a decision, come hell or high water. No matter what this dude does, ignore, insult, say what you want. I'm not leaving here until I get my miracle. She came with a purpose. I wonder how many of us have that type of tenacity in our spirit. I've talked to my parents before, people of great faith. 
And I've shared some of their stories before, but I've talked to my dad and going through all of the different challenges and each and every one of us at times have been in hospitals and, and diagnosis over our, our, over our physical bodies of brain damage and death and then breaking things breaking up in, in families and homes and, and, and marriage challenges and, and my sister having a baby to a boyfriend out of wedlock and my youngest sister fell into an open fire when she was little. The doctor said she won't live past five. The doctors told me I had three incidences where I nearly died. I had a bike accident. I had car accidents. They said you'll be brain damaged. And I was talking to my dad and I said, how do you keep going from one thing to the next? And now we look, everybody's saved. All the grandkids are saved. Everyone is married together, loving Jesus. It's all together. It's all. And I said, how, how, do, you, how do you remain? How do you keep your faith? And he said, I went to God and said, these are my non-negotiables. I thought, well, isn't that powerful? What are your non-negotiables? And he said this to me, he said, I took that verse, Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a non-negotiable. I'm fixed in my purpose. I know this is my miracle and I will not let it go. How many of you came to God with a miracle, but with an expectation for a miracle, but because it didn't happen when you thought or the first initial response wasn't what you thought, you just let the miracle go. I want to tell you tonight, it's time to pick it back up again. Hold on to it, believe, have faith, declare it and God will do it. It says purpose, you've got to come with purpose. She wasn't going to be swayed. She wasn't going to second guess it. Well, maybe he says, listen, that's why you've got to get so full of the Word of God. Do you believe He can radically, supernaturally heal or not? If you come in swayed, James says you're double-minded. He says, that's what happens. That's why so many Christians can sometimes get off kilter and get off whack during a difficult season because they come into the difficult season swayed. They come in double-minded. He says it like this in James 1 and verse 6. But let him ask. Look at this. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. In faith, not in feeling. So many things in the Christian walk we think that has to do with feeling. I felt the presence of God. Listen, whether you feel it or not, God's there in you anyway. He didn't say he came in feeling that I wanted a miracle. I just felt like I'd like a miracle today. I just felt, let me tell you something. That's not going to cut it. The enemy will knock you. You'll be dead. Then the enemy will knock you flat in a second. We come in with this wishy-washy. Well, I think it'd be nice. How <laughs> wouldn't that be nice to just get a touch from God? Listen, let me tell you something. You've got to be ruthless for the things of God. Heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I want to tell you, if you want what God has written about in His Word and every single promise, you've got to be ruthless for that thing and say, I'm not coming with a feeling. I'm coming with a promise and I'm not leaving here until you move in my life. She had a purpose. She came in believing. Ignore me, I'm still coming for this thing. I'm not going to be swayed. I'm not going to be moved. James keeps going and he says, For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the winds. For let no man suppose that he will receive anything 
from the Lord. He's double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's the word speaking. That's the word. That's God saying, don't, don't come at me with this wishy-washy thinking, well, that would be nice. Maybe, God, if you could maybe have some time to perhaps maybe at the end of the week, maybe if you feel like it, maybe do something. in Maybe my family, maybe if you can't, it's okay. If, you know, if you could perhaps maybe heal my body. Maybe if you think it's cool, maybe I mean, I heard someone preach about maybe you could do healings. Maybe I'm just not sure, but maybe if you could, maybe, maybe. What are you kidding me? This is why you gotta, you got to get in the Word and get it solidified in your heart and say, I've got this thing. This thing's got a hold of me. I'm not going to let this thing go. I'm coming. I'm going to get my miracle come hell or high water. I'm going to walk out of here free. Oh, my family will serve the Lord. I believe it and that's my purpose. I'm coming for it. Common for it. You've got to get that in your heart and in your spirit. Habakkuk 2 and verse 2, he says, The just shall live by faith. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Look at this. That he may run who reads it. I want to tell you something unstoppable about a Christian that's got a purpose in their heart for a miracle. That'll get you running. You won't be just waltzing around your Christian wall going, well, let's just see what God wants to do today. And just wait. You'll start, you get it in your spirit. It'll give you a Holy Spirit run in your step and a fire in your, in your step that you cannot shake. It's a purpose. She came with a purpose. I love this. That she, what she did, she started. She started with a purpose. I thought of it like this. It hit me as I was, as I was reading this. We talk about this. That sometimes we say, if you're going to start, put your best foot forward. And then I thought of this. I thought, if you want to start coming to God with a miracle, you've got to put your faith foot forward. You're going to say, I believe. What's your first response when something comes across your way that is not in the kingdom of God? The diagnosis. I believe God heals. Debt you've got to pay off. I believe God's going to be. It's putting your faith, your faith foot forward. If you want to get ready, I remember when we were kids, we'd go down the beach in, in Australia and jump off rocks and that. And, and my buddies, when I, was, when I would get nervous, I was real little and, and, and I'd get nervous to jump. They would say, jump feet first. Jump feet. I want to tell you tonight, you've got to jump faith first. You're not going to do it if you just say, well, we'll just see how I feel and we'll just see. I'm just not sure. You've got to go faith first. You've got to believe it. You've got to have a purpose in your heart. Otherwise, the enemy, the enemy will start to shake you. You've got to come. You've got to get it. I remember when we first, when we first as a church back in Australia, started to reach out to high schools. I remember I got a list. I remember I looked up. No one, no one was able. You were not allowed. Very similar to here. You were not allowed. Churches were not allowed to do things in, in schools. You know, they had the whole thing of taking prayer out of schools. Here, well, we never had prayer in schools over there. So you count yourself blessed. You had it for at least for a season. They would never, ever, ever allow it in Australia. We first started doing that and every single person told me. Youth pastors told me. Pastors told me. You will never be able to do things in schools as a church. But I remember I had, I got, God put something of a tenacity. If you want to fire me up, tell me I can't do something. I'll come after it like a dog, crazy, wild, pit bull dog. 
that was the worst thing the devil could have done was brought someone across my path to tell me we couldn't do it. I thought, you watch me. I remember I went and got, I went online and I printed off a list of every single high school in our city. I got about 260, a list of about 260 high schools. What was I doing? I was getting a vision, putting it in front of me. And I would pray over those schools and I would declare revival and I would declare breakthrough. I want to speak to some of our young people, some of our teenagers. If you get it in your spirit, I've seen it. I've seen young people, 13, 14, 15, get full of the fire of God and take it into their high school. I've seen teachers get saved. I've seen school principals get saved. I've seen schools turned around by the power of God. You've got to get it in your spirit. Get a purpose in your heart and you will see it happen. I remember, I remember thinking, well, how are we going to do this? I didn't have a plan. And you've got to understand, I was not, I, I, I think at that stage, I'd probably only been saved less than a year. I barely knew a thing, but I had, there was something in my heart and in my spirit. So we're going to do this. And then fast forward, I remember going to that, that venue when we held this event. After God moved and schools, man, schools started just, op- doors just started opening up for us. Crazy stuff. I would ring, I would cold call, just ring the school. Hello, can I please speak to the principal? Who is it? It's Ben. <laughs> where are you from? I didn't work for the church. I was, where am I from? I, I mean, my parents' house. I don't know. They're thinking if someone wants to talk to the principal, surely they're from some company or another school. And they'll question me because I knew all I needed, all I needed was to get that one-on-one conversation. I knew I got it in my heart. God spoke to me and said, just get in front of them and I'll do the rest. I remember after a while, the principals wouldn't meet with me. As soon as they would hear that I was coming to talk about how we as a church could help work with their welfare department in the school, they would like, oh, no, we're good. Thank you anyway. They'd click. Kept happening, kept happening, kept happening. But I had a purpose in my spirit, in my heart. And then finally, the principal would say, sure, I'll chat with you. I remember I went and got a shirt. <laughs> I was such a punk. I went and got a shirt and put shoes on (laughs) I went down at that school I had no idea what I was doing no idea but I knew that God spoke to me and said just get in front of them and I'll do the rest I prayed I said God give me favour Give me faith. God, touch me. I don't know what I'm doing here. See, faith without works is dead. I could have sat back home and sat in my car and prayed, God, open up schools. But you've got, to put, you've got to put action to what you're praying and believing. And God would just, man, God would give me favour. 
I'd walk in that receptionist, some of the school, I'd walk in and I'd end up knowing the receptionist from somewhere. And then I walked through and I'd meet this and we would just start talking and then they would just like me and, and, and we would just connect. I would find, a God, God spoke to me and said, you've got to connect with him. God spoke to me and said, connect with him, man. And I'll be trying to find any angle. Same football team. We start talking about that. And, and then I met a principal that liked to go surfing. We start talking about that. And see, your gift makes way for you. And God had given me a gift. And we start, then little bit by little bit, they start, I started getting more favor and doors started to open. Now, back in, in Melbourne, we, are rec- we were recognized as the single most uh, uh, influential organization we created a whole organization that worked with welfare departments in public schools now when we left when I left Australia and came back here not only did we have such favor in so many high schools hundreds of high schools all throughout the city now schools public schools were paying money to the church to get people from the church to go into the school and I remember when we booked I remember when we booked this venue to do an event and God told me, he said, book it, pray for it. And the organization that we had set up, we didn't have much money and we paid for it. It was a 6,000 seater sanctuary auditorium. It was the exhibition building in downtown Melbourne. And I'll never forget, we packed that place out. 6,000 teenagers. I remember getting up there to preach that night. We saw, I forget how many packed, packed kids getting saved. And God spoke to me and said, remember when you couldn't get into one school? You got to believe. What's he put in your heart? You got to have a purpose. I need to quickly just finish. She had a purpose. She was persistent. Persistent. Ask, seek, knock, the word says. Faith is continuing under conflicting circumstances. We need our faith the strongest when our fear is the loudest. You persistent, what have you given up on that you used to believe for? He's a God of miracles. What kid were you praying, believing they would get saved? But it's just gotten so bad. They've gotten so far from the things of God that you you stopped praying. Or maybe you kept praying, but you've stopped believing. Maybe the circumstances just became too much. I thought of this, this story, I shared it with our leaders this week, the story of John the Baptist. You know the story of John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus coming, he's baptizing people. When he saw Jesus coming, he declares and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist got it. He got a revelation. He declared it. But then look at what happens. If you fast track the story, John the Baptist gets arrested. He gets put in prison. They're about to cut his head off. And the Bible says that John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus. And he said to his disciples, go find Jesus and ask him if he's the one. Hang on a second. Are you not the same John the Baptist that declared 
chapters earlier that He was the one? Have you just allowed, now that you're in a prison, have you just allowed the circumstances dictate to you your revelation of what you believe? Don't allow the enemy to take things and allow allow things to get so bad that they'll drown and, and suck the faith out of your spirit. Persistence, praise. This this chick, she, girl, sorry, she, Jesus ignores her, talks down to her, insults her. The Bible says, then she worshipped him. I love that. How quick are we as Christians to check out on God? How quick are we as Christians because of what we're perhaps going through? Well, it's too hard. I just, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bitter at God. Really? The God who wrapped Himself in flesh and came down and hung on a cross for you while you were sinning and you're bitter at Him because He didn't move when you wanted Him to move? Give me a break. I'm telling you, church, I believe this with all my heart. you got to make that decision. Declare it over your life and say, you know what? I'm going to praise Him. I'm not going to let what's going on around me stop me from praising my God. Why, if not for the simple fact that He is worthy of my praise. His praise has nothing, my praise for Him has nothing to do with my circumstances. Then this, the last thing, then we're going to pray. Got to have a right perspective. She, she came to him. The problem was at the start was her perspective of herself was off. That's what was going on. Because understand, she comes to Jesus and she calls him son of David. Now that terminology was predominantly only used by the Jewish people. Because pedigree, who you were the son of was a big deal. But only to the Jewish people, not the Canaanite people. So she's coming to Jesus. She has a wrong perspective of herself. So because her perspective of herself is off, she tries to pretend that she's something else. The number one hindrance to our faith is we are ingrained with the feeling that we can only have what we deserve. Her perspective, this is what touched my heart. She didn't think that she deserved it. So she tried to talk a church language to just make her look a certain way. And maybe if she talks the church lingo, maybe God will listen to her. I thought if ever, that's a picture of how we can get it messed up sometimes in church. 
We come into church, talk a church language, trying to paint a pretty picture, trying to make it all look nice, trying to look as churchy as we can when inside we're broken and we're hurting and we've got issues and we've got sin and we've got addictions and we've got thought life that's messed up and all God is looking for to outwork a miracle is somebody that wouldn't fake it, but someone that would faith it. Someone that would say, you know what? Listen, let me tell you, how's revival happen? When we start coming into church saying, I'm screwed up. God, I'm so screwed up. I love you. I love you with all my heart. But my thought life is so messed up. I love you with everything that's in me. But I'm messing up in my marriage. I'm messing up as a young person. I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. I want to be the man of God that you called me to be. But I'm looking at stuff I shouldn't be looking at. And I'm acting a way I shouldn't be acting. I want to be the woman of God that you've called me to be. But I'm talking bad. I know I shouldn't be doing this. Lord, I humble myself. Here I am, God. I worship you. What is it? Where do we get it so off track that we think like we got to be something before a God that knows exactly who you are deep down within anyway? Quit faking it. And start faithing it. Say, God, here I am. Because look at when everything shifted. When she acknowledged Jesus turns. I love this moment. After calling her a dog, I bet you, I bet you he wasn't even looking at her. Just to see. Let's see where her faith is at. Back to her. Calls her a dog. And this is the moment where she says, yeah, this is who I am. But even a dog gets a crumb. See, not only was it a perspective that shifted of herself, it was also a perspective of her situation. Because what she's saying is she's saying in this moment, she's saying, God, when she says even a crumb, she's saying, God, I recognize who you are. And I recognize my need. And all I need, just a crumb. You're so good. You're so able. You're so powerful. Just a crumb will deal with this situation I'm dealing with. I just think, God, if you just give me a crumb, I want to tell you, one crumb of God's goodness and faithfulness can deal with every single possible need that you have for the rest of your life. You serve a God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all what you could possibly ask, think or imagine. Just a crumb. Breakthrough begins when we refuse to be impressed with the size of our problem. 
God will do it in a second if we would just believe. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? What did you give up on? What were you, you used to be believing for, but it just got, it got too much. It got too hard. There were too many obstacles, too many issues. Or maybe you stop believing because you think you're not worthy. Because you think you messed up enough. How could God restore your family when maybe it's your fault that the family's the way it is in the first place? When you start thinking like that, it might be your fault. It might be. Dad, maybe you did screw up. Maybe. Maybe because of dumb decisions, mum, you've made. Maybe that's why the kids are the way they are. But you've got to understand what Jesus really did on that cross. When you start to allow those past mistakes to to determine the level of faith you have for your future, you're saying that the cross was not enough. And I want to tell you the cross was more than enough for every single bit of sin, every mistake, every filthy, vile thing that we have ever done, even thought the cross was more than enough. You've got to accept the fact that it is done, nailed on the cross and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I feel the Holy Spirit stand to your feet right across this room. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.